0: Um, But today, of course, we are absolutely delighted to have Melissa Broder and Mish Barberway. Let's clap already. Come on, doesn't it feel right? Mish Barbara Way, she fronts a punk band, White Lung, and she's the music editor for Bright Light. Here she is, look at her cool jacket. Um, It's a magazine devoted to quality content for girls by girls, I was so impressed by it. Um, She's also widely published all sorts of places, broadly, Vice, and other spots also. But I was also particularly impressed that she is featured in Vogue's September issue as a model very glamorous, Um, it just, it impressed me, so I just thought I'd tell you about it. Um, But we are here to celebrate primarily Melissa Broder, a local LA writer. right, I know, it's really, really special to have her with us today. And um, I learned something after I read the book. It's so LA, but um, she composed this novel in her car, and she dictated it to Siri. It's so amazing and I actually think it's like a kind of profoundly groundbreaking process and um, I don't know anybody else who's doing it like that and it's like very impressive in an, um, an amazing, unique way. Um, uh, uh, she has four poetry collections, one essay collection. This is her debut novel. I tried so hard not to say Beach Read, but I just want to keep saying Beach Read. It's such a good Beach Read. Um, spoiler alert, I know, it's so corny, I couldn't help it though. Um, you guys are not the only ones who love this book. The critics have been going absolutely crazy for it, um, it has been called in the reviews uh, bold, bizarre, addictive, erotic, funny, dark, vicious, tender, sexy, moving, strange, peerless, surreal, feverish, hilarious, mesmerizing, devastating, perfect, propulsive, uncanny, exquisite, romantic, existential, nihilistic, and a delight. Let's please give her a warm round of applause.
1: Hi. Hi. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna read first and then Mish and I are gonna chat. Um, thanks so much for coming. I was like so scared people wouldn't come, I don't know why. Um, cause I have like no self-esteem. Anyway, alright. So, um, okay so, the Pisces, um, in this book there is good sex and there is bad sex. Um, you have to get through the bad sex to get to the good sex. Um, so I'm going to read some of the bad sex, just a scene, just an amuse-bouche of bad sex. <laughs> and then if you buy the book, you can get the good sex. <laughs> All right, said Garrett, as I took my last sip of pi- as I took the last sip of my vodka and pineapple juice. This is how I think we should do it. I'm going to go in first. You should wait here. Then in about five minutes or so, you come back and knock on all four of them. I will let you into the one I'm in. All four of what? I asked. The bathroom doors, he said. Wait, I said, I don't understand. Why are we going to the bathroom? To fuck? He laughed, but he looked a little concerned. I've always wanted to fuck in the bathrooms here. Oh, I said, I thought we were like getting a room or something. Oh shit, sorry, no. The fantasy was that we would fuck in the bathroom. Sorry, did I not make that clear? (laughs) Not exactly. Are you cool with that? He asked. I tried not to look disappointed. But I was. What the hell? Was I not good enough for him to get a room? Did I look like I wanted to fuck in a bathroom? Maybe this was sexier. Maybe this was like an honor. That he thought I would be wild enough. Anybody could fuck in a hotel room. Not everybody could fuck in the lobby bathroom. (laughs) Okay, I said, I'm game. You'll see, he said, you'll love it. The bathrooms here are super lush, they're like their own little worlds. It'll be fucking hot. I can't wait to make that ass go up and down, he said. I went to the bar and ordered another vodka and pineapple juice. Was this weird or was it okay? I didn't even remember what day it was, and I wondered what most people my age were doing right now. Probably something boring involving children and applesauce. I should consider myself blessed. They would, probably be, they would probably kill to be fucking in a bathroom at the Shalimar. There were men and women at the bar engaged in conversations. I didn't know how people could stand it. The regular interactions, conscious dating, trying to pass as normal or interesting. Nobody was that interesting and certainly no one was normal. So why was everyone wearing a mask? Why wasn't everyone fucking in a bathroom? It turned out that there were three bathroom doors, not four and they were big, varnished oak with knockers on them, as though you were entering someone's house. I knocked on the first one. Can I help you, came a man's voice. Sorry, I said. I knocked on the next door. Garrett opened it and pulled me in. He had me by the hips and kissed me hard, his tongue in my mouth. It made me feel good, like he wanted me. Look me in the eyes, I said. He looked into my eyes and unbuttoned my trench coat. She's like, he like told her to like wear lingerie over um, Tinder message and she was like, is this like Fifty Shades? Like what is this? But anyway, so she did. Um, So, and like she wore a trench coat. Okay, lifting it off my shoulders and dropping it on the ground. Still looking me in the eyes, he hoisted me up by the waist and sat me on the big black marble sink. I was turned on by the action of what he was doing but not turned on in my vagina yet. Or maybe my vagina was turned on, but I wasn't there yet. Like, I was and I wasn't. Part of me was acting and part of me was enjoying it. Slower, I said, to give myself time to get into it. He teased me over my underpants for a second. Then he put his fingers inside and started fingering me. My lips kept getting caught and rubbing against his fingers in an irritated way. I felt like they were puffing up like balloons. I kept trying to ask him questions. I wanted to hear that he wanted me. What do you think of the lingerie? Hot baby. The garters? So sexy. (laughs) I guess he could feel that I wasn't super wet because he got down on his knees in front of the sink where I was spread eagle, pushed the undies to the side and started to lick my clit. I moaned some more, not altogether fake because I enjoyed hearing myself, but fake in the sense that I knew I was suddenly too self-conscious to be aroused. I slid off the sink and got down on my knees. Then I unzipped his pants and started to suck his dick. His dick was long and skinny. I felt like it could stab me. Usually, I very much enjoy dick sucking and I'm pretty intuitive at it. I like to lick it first and tease it, really prepare the dick before I suck. But he was impatient. He grabbed the back of my hair and pushed my head closer to his body as I've seen people do in porn. I gagged a little on his dick, pulled back, then continued, my mouth super wet. He moaned and it was hot. Just hearing the moan come up from the depth of his belly, looking up and seeing that jaw I liked made me feel wetter. My juices stung my irritated labia. He grabbed the back of my hair and pushed his dick into the back of my throat again, then palmed my forehead away. Get up here, he said. My bra and underwear were still on when he hoisted me by the waist back up onto the sink. Then he ripped open a condom wrapper with his teeth and fumbled to put it on. He pulled off my underwear and spread my legs. I gasped when he put his cock in it and began to thrust. It felt good, but also too much, like he was hitting a wall in the back of my vagina. Like a muscle ache. My thighs were chafing on the counter. My back banged against the faucet and I kept getting caught on the sink bowl. Next, with his dick still inside me, pants around his ankles, he lifted me up and turned around, carrying me back down to the floor. My back was on the trench coat. He thrust a few times in a missionary type position, then commanded me to turn over. I flipped over onto my hands and knees and he began fucking me doggy style. I could feel his dick up by my belly button. It hurt every time he thrust and now I just wanted for him to come for it to be over. As hip as the hotel was, the music was terrible. Someone had chosen a range of sad 80s and 90s classic rock ballads. Peter Gabriel's Salisbury Hill. Eric clapped in Tears in Heaven. I was fucking on a bathroom floor to Tears in Heaven. Sorry, but no. What did it even mean to be alive? I started laughing. Rub your clit, he commanded. I obeyed. I could feel him spread my, ass- my cheeks wider and begin to rub my asshole. He spit on his finger, then put it in. I could feel it. It felt like I had to shit, like there was something in there that needed to come out. I fucked him harder, trying to make him come already. Every moan I gave was out of pain. I wanted to fuck his finger out of me. But he put a second one in, then a third. I could tell he was trying to stretch my asshole. He pulled his dick out of my vagina. I felt it bang against my cheeks, then my asshole. He pushed a few times. I felt a searing pain like a giant hemorrhoid was trying to make its way inside me. (laughs) I turned around and looked at him. I was sweating. Is it in? I asked. Wait a minute, he said. He pushed some more. I felt his dick get softer and collapse a little. I imagined it forming a U shape and going right back into him. I imagined him fucking his own belly button. No, he said, it's too tight. I'm just gonna fuck your pussy. That was fine with me. He felt me for maybe a minute or two then came. I wondered how he could come so quickly when he wasn't even totally hard. Sorry baby, want me to eat you some more? He asked. I looked at the trench coat on the floor. It was covered in dirt and also a blob of semen. The strap of my new bra had ripped by the cup and frayed. No, that's okay, I said. That was really great, really hot. (laughs) He tapped me on the ass. You're hot, he said, but we should get going so we don't get caught. Yeah, as much as I would like to sit here on the bathroom floor with you all night. I was playing it cool. Look how chill I was. But I felt angry and sad. This wasn't what I was in it for. I mean, it was something at least, not just ordinary, hollow life. It was a stab at the nothingness. But I had wanted him to really fall for me, obsess about me. Had I been used? Could you be used if you were also using the other person? Did the one who came automatically become the user? Or was the one who was less attached automatically the user? I tried not to cry as I put on the trench. I felt embarrassed that it was so fucked up and I didn't want him to see it, even though it was him who had fucked it up. I wanted to seem untouchable. Go out first, he said, so we don't make it obvious. I'll maybe wait a minute or two. Okay, I said. I saw that he had a tote bag with him and a package inside had fallen on the floor. The package said R. Garrett Campbell. I wondered what the R stood for. How creative could he be with his dumb dick flopping around in a first initial? He's a graphic designer. (laughs)
0: Like
1: MTV and JetBlue and stuff. (laughs) I went over to the bar and ordered a club soda, then applied lipstick. I wanted to look hot for him, collected. I sipped the cold soda through a little straw and pretended to be engaged in my phone so that when he approached the bar I would seem disinterested. Five minutes passed and he didn't appear. He was really playing it safe. Then ten minutes passed. You okay in there? I texted. Huh? He wrote. Are you going to come out of the bathroom or do you need me to help? Oh sorry, I left. Headed home. That was fun. When I stepped out into the late afternoon heat, I didn't allow myself to feel sad or angry. In a way, I was relieved. If I had come all over his face, then I might have gotten more attached. I would have been disappointed that he didn't even want to say goodnight outside the bathroom. But his stupid pencil dick, his lack of regard for whether I actually came, the clumsiness made me want him less. In my fantasies, they are always dying to taste it, dying to make me come. They will literally die if they don't. Or maybe I did feel sad. Was I angry about the bathroom itself? I wanted him to like me in the same way that I wanted him not to have a girlfriend. Or I wanted him to like me more than the girlfriend, to care a little more. I knew this was not the nature of the one-night stand. I knew that what I wanted was something that couldn't exist. But that didn't mean it wasn't something I wanted. Thank you.
2: Um, when I first read the book, when Melissa gave it to me a couple months ago, when the, she was going from anal to vag, I knew she was gonna get a UTI. And she does, in the next chapter. <laughs> you know that's gonna happen. Spoiler. Spoiler alert. Okay. Um, so I kinda wanna start talking about Lucy, or do you wanna talk about the Pisces, the whole book? Does everyone know what the book's about? Pretty much, yes, we don't have to do that rigmarole, do you want it?
1: Okay, so like, on a narrative level, the book is about a woman named Lucy who goes through a shitty breakup, uh, moves to Venice Beach for the summer and falls into romantic obsession with a merman whose tail starts below the dick. Um, on a thematic level, the book is, um, explores the question of whether you can fill the
2: existential hole with romantic obsession. Yeah. Um, so, right, let's talk about Uh, the idea how this first started, why a merman? How did this all originate? So I've never been like that
1: big into the mer people. Um, And, um, you know, I was always more of a Pegasus girl. Um, Not to have sex with, just to like hang out with. Um, And and actually like romantically I'm much more into like um, probably like Apollo, the god of the sun because he's like the kind of twink that would like you know, like hit it and then not text again which is great and like um, maybe like Cerberus, the hound of hell Um, so, but um after I finished writing So Sad Today, um, I was living in Venice Beach. I lived there for four years and I was sitting on the beach and um, uh, I read this book um, by Giuseppe Tomasi de Lampedusa called The Professor and the Siren um, that my husband gave me. And um, I um, I started thinking about how much the siren human... I should be talking to you, I guess. No, no. Okay. I started thinking about how much the siren-human relationship really embodies this um, Kind of this, this, this paradox about um, you know, why does the love that, um, why does why the why is the shorter lived the love or the more unattainable the love um, the more intoxicating and it is. And um, so, and the books, and I was like, "But why is it always a merman and uh, a a mermaid and a man? Why isn't it ever a merman and a woman?" And the books sort of started being formed to me. And then, um, but I was like, "I can't write a novel." Um, And then I was like, "Well, what if I just like dictated a couple of paragraphs a day?" And so I did. I dictated like three paragraphs a day. And then um, within like nine months, I had the first draft
2: and then chop, 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 chop. <laughs>
1: and then like 10 rounds of edits. Where I was, where yeah, where I was like, like very anxious and also many of you know I'm so sad today, I'm like sober and stuff, so I don't have like lots of things to like numb out with. So I was like, I was like, I like shoplifted mm-hmm. lipstick from Sephora, like while I was waiting to find out if the book would be published. Like I have very little to act out with. It was, it was sad. <laughs> I was nervous, I didn't know, you know, I didn't know if anyone would want it.
2: It's great. Thanks, but I really didn't know. I read it in, I was addicted to it. I can not put it down. Um, and I think I texted you all throughout the whole thing. So excited about it. So let's talk about the idea of limerence. Mm-hmm. This is one of your favorite things, and I think it kind of is your work. So can you explain this? And we'll talk about that a bit, and we'll bat that around. Totally. So Does anyone know what that means? I'll tell you. Okay, so limerence is... Um,
1: The feeling early on in a relationship, or the feeling perhaps when you have a crush, it's that sort of intoxicating, um, dopamine, delicious, um, feeling that, um, is associated with new love, or, um, the fantasy of someone you've never met, but are imagining you're having a relationship with, um, either of those things, um, and, um, so, I reality has never been my first choice, mm-hmm. um, and so limerence for me is, um, it's very delicious, and, um, but it's perplexing to me, like, especially because a lot of the art that I love, um, you know, I mean, I, when I watched, um, when I watched... <laughs> This is so sad. When I watched like Romeo and Juliet when I was young, the one with Claire Danes and Leo DiCaprio, like I was like, oh, this is like what love feels like. You know what I'm saying? Like there's this longing, there's this angst. Now it's like, if you take like any of like the great Western love stories and like bring them to your therapist, like your therapist is like, do not text him. Like they die. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> it's not the greatest outcome. Or like Wuthering Heights. You know what I'm saying? It's like Kathy, put down the phone and like spend 90 days apart. You know, like take 90 days away. From from Heathcliff and so um, so for me as someone who like isn't great with reality, it like it gets confusing for me as to why um, reality and fan- like. I mean I know that like most people are able to accept that reality isn't fantasy or fantasy isn't reality, but like
2: I have trouble with that Well, I feel like the part you just read too she's doing that, Lucy's doing that in her own head, she doesn't want our Garrett or whatever she just wants him to want her um, there's another part in the book where, I gotta read the quote because I don't get it um it's so excellent. You come to a lot of really great conclusions. So there's this quote in the book uh where Lucy kind of has this realization after she has to break up with the merman or she might have to. Um perhaps this was what living in the moment was about, an active state of denial about the future. I also felt that somehow Leo just knew that not only would my sister be returning soon, but that I would be leaving. Maybe this is what past men had assumed of me, that I simply knew everything was temporary between us. And I love this because I think the idea, when you fall in love with someone, you're not thinking about the end. You're not thinking about that 99% of the chance it's going to end. And so... When, when i have thin- a one-night
1: stand, I'm not thinking about that either.
2: Yeah, no, yeah. but I'm saying when you actually start to totally. fall, like Lucy and Leo do. And so, all right, so does that mean then that, because it's delusional to think that this isn't going to end, so is love a perpetual state of delusion? Like, without that willing full ignorance, can that even happen? Alright, so I think that
1: like, <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. No, yeah. I think that the, um, I guess scientifically like the reason for the limerence is to get us to Um, a love that is perhaps more about things like responsibility and like compromise and like showing up for someone else and like um, you know like being there for someone even when you don't feel like it and like putting up with someone's shit and like um, all those things but okay so I have come to I feel that for me today and it may change but for me today like love um, is a verb And it really is in, like, the showing up. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's a relationship that Lucy has in this book with, um, a dog named Dominic, who, um, that, to me, is real love. Um, but sometimes that's not enough because it doesn't, um, it's hard to get high on real love. It's hard to get high on the person, um, who you are buying toilet paper for. Yeah. You know, um, it's much easier to get high on the illusion of somebody's avatar, um, on Tinder. Or um, the potentiality, because you're able to project. Like, what is a fan? For, for me, a fantasy is like the things that m- I subconsciously need. Right? Like, okay, if I perceive you as magic, then like, and you like me, then maybe I can be magic too. And so, it's very hard to do that with, um, you know, the person when you're like, "Do you want me to microwave this yam?" You know, like yeah. it's kind of, you know, it's
2: because well, you know everything. Yeah. You know them. Yeah. It's done. How much of Lucy is you?
1: Um, I'd say l- a good chunk of Lucy is is definitely drawn from me. Um she I'm not a Pisces, I'm Virgo. Um yeah, I'd say some. Some but not all. Uh, what parts? I don't know. Like <laughs> Oh, what parts? <laughs> yeah. Um definitely, you know that preference of of fantasy to reality, um, definitely. Um, I think um, her her desire her her desire to sort of she, Lucy has depression. It's so funny because I forget that Lucy has depression. Like people are like Lucy, like how was it writing fiction with depression this time? And I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot. Like I guess everything I write, like the depression is in there, and so I just like forget that yeah. it's in there. Um, so um, the part of her that tries to self-medicate, you know, to medicate that. And like, look, like we're human beings. I mean, we all medicate with, su- everybody, I mean, you know. Oh yeah.
2: yeah, without a doubt.
1: But it's like, okay, like is this gonna like, like how much suffering am I willing to be in, you know? And it's like, that's I guess for me like, you know, like the Sephora lipsticks, theft, like, I mean, you know, I could have gotten caught. But like, you know, not as much suffering as like, you know, other things. <laughs>
2: Let's talk about um, all the sex in the book. Okay. Um, Which I love, uh, especially the bad sex. So I'm so glad you read the bad sex uh, this time. Was it... Okay, well, full disclosure. um, I am also executive editor of Penthouse magazine, so I'm all surrounded by sex constantly. And Melissa would do some erotica for me. And, um, so yeah, I love Veronica. And you're fucking excellent at it. You're so good at it. It's not an easy thing to write. So how did you manage to s- seamlessly weave that into the story without it kind of becoming romance novel I I don't know. I mean, okay, one thing I did,
1: so there's like, as I said, there's good sex and bad sex, but that's sort of reductive, like, in the book because then there's also, even in the, like, good sex, like, Lucy... Like I would always be reading erotica and like I'd be on like page one twenty one and she would come. And I'm like, I wouldn't have come till page one fifty eight. Like it takes me way longer than her. And so um so I like when even though Lucy's like having sex with a merman. Oh
2: my god. I just broke the chair. Sorry. Wait, are you okay? I just kicked it. Go ahead. (laughs) I just don't want you to fall. Okay. There we go. It'd be
1: an eventful night. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, even when I'm writing, like, The Good Sex, um, there's something I have a commitment to, which for me is, like, I guess you could call it a pleasure realism, where, like, if I were fucking a merman, or or my greatest fantasy, like, if I were fucking Cerberus, or, like, Apollo, like, I'd still be, like, okay, listen, it's going to take me, like, 40 minutes at least to have an orgasm. Is that okay? Like, before he goes down (laughs) on me? And then, like, only then can I relax and give myself permission to have an orgasm. And so, um, so Lucy's like, her own self-consciousness, you know what i She's not, like, effortlessly, like, you know, feeling it. Like, there's still... Or, like, she does get a urinary tract infection. Or, like, Theo, my merman, um... Does... It, like, sometimes he has a hard time getting it up, which is, like, not that often. Like, a mythological creature usually is, like, gets it up pretty easily, you know? But, like, sometimes there's issues. Like,
2: you know? Well, let's talk about that. How did you decide... <laughs> okay, because you cut... You... you <laughs> Normally, with a mermaid, you would assume that the parts are covered like a Ken doll or a Barbie yeah. doll, and you gave Ken a penis, which is amazing. So how did you decide where you were going to situate it and put it, and like how it would make sense? Like, you did the sash and all that. Let's talk about that, because I think that's really interesting to me. Okay, so um, so I sort of,
1: so mer. M- mermaid fundamentalists, like not everybody's going to be down with my Mm -hmm. um, with my mer anatomy but I designed Theo the way I needed Theo to be and like, you know many people are attracted to people who don't have a penis, myself included, but for me this particular character, I was like, he has a dick it's just, yeah, he's going to have a dick so then I was like, all right, how is this going to work? and I sort of, I worked out his architecture like almost before I really, like I, I, I worked out a lot of stuff in my head and that was solidified. But um I did have him wearing I do have him wearing this like cloth at times um in the ocean and um sash undies. Yeah. And like my husband who's my first reader was like where did he get the sash? And I'm <laughs> like she's talking to a merman. Like they're about to have sex and you're like where did he get the sash? Um and he's like, yeah, it's important. So I was like, I don't know, shipwreck. So I like had to put that in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he like talks about how the sand is very grating. You know, mm-hmm. um, because whatever. Because at some juncture, without getting into too many details, he does come on land with her. She sort of schleps him on land, and like I couldn't just have it flopping around. You know no. what I'm saying? Like I wa- I needed it to be like contained. So hence the sash.
2: I don't even think you could have had it flopping around at the beginning. You know? Mm-hmm. It, yeah. It was a little more. Classy. It was classy. It was much classier. It is. All right, hold on. I'm going to pull up more.
1: It's all contained. Mm-hmm. So I'll just tell you how Mish and I met really quickly. Oh god. So we met at this music festival in upstate New York that's like kind of like dark and goth and it's like in like a fortress.
2: What is it? It's in, it's in uh, A basilica? Yeah.
1: It's called basilica. That's it's called basilica. So we were both there to perform and Mish was there to play music and um, I was there to read poetry and like there's a big deficit between like we were in the green room and like all the musicians were like on one side of the room and then like the poets were like on the <laughs> other side of the room. And she was wearing, like, this, like, Stevie Nicks, like, long black dress. And what were you on?
2: You were on something good. Too much stuff. Yeah,
1: something. And, like... Was she embarrassing. Mesh gloves. And I was like, oh, my God, that fucking bitch. Like, she, like, thinks I'm just, you know... Because whatever, I'm a poet. Like, I'm so, like, nothing. You know, I'm nothing. And she's, like, on stage, like... But then we became friends, which was, like... I love when someone you think, like, is judging you and, like, would never be friends with you becomes your friend.
2: It's, like, so nice. And meanwhile... I was so wasted. I didn't even notice anyone. She was around didn't notice me, me which like <laughs> yeah, that was probably another reason why I was no. And I, I already knew of you and your work, and I thought you were amazing, and and I wanted Brandon to introduce me to you. So oh there you go. I didn't know that. Yeah, I've told you that, I haven't I? No. Oh my god. Well, there we go. <laughs> not the not the that night out. What I meant to get. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think that. Yeah, you and I have a lot in common. It's good that we met. We're kindred spirits. Yes, it's true. Yeah, and that's one thing. Why when I was reading this, and I'm sure a lot of ladies will, Uh, I just feel like Lucy is so, she's every woman in a way, especially in a lot of her sex circumstances. I mean, unless you're a total ice queen who's like in complete control of her emotions, you're all, everyone's gonna spiral. I feel like Lucy spirals a lot. Mm -hmm. But, she also, I don't know, I mean, she She's so cute. Like she figures it out and makes it funny. Like, I don't know. One thing, though, I love that, uh, and you'll read this at the beginning. So Lucy's first boyfriend, what's his name? Jamie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's kind of just, whatever. He's like a pancake. Um, and they they break up. He dumps her. And she does that classic thing where you've been with someone forever. And they dump you. And all of a sudden, you see them with through that glowy rose tint that you saw them in when you first met them and you were in your phase of oh my god and it just makes you go crazy like Lucy completely spirals and that's how she ends up in Venice so can we talk about why do you think that happens why do we do that well it's like so they're like
1: So she like has a flat tire and she's just feeling like some like existential blahs, you know, like shit's just like it's a Sunday, like it's like probably like five PM, like you know, like not, not a good time. And so he shows up to help her with the flat tire and she's like, you know that feeling when you're just like she's like she's looking at him and she feels like his chin is becoming like one with his neck. This is before they break up. And um and she's just like like everything's becoming this like hybrid and like she's talking she feels like she's talking to the chin and then like she's like maybe we should just break up you know when you just like puncture like just to kind of like get that like let's um, see you're testing it yeah testing and like let's get a little adrenaline let's throw a little spice into this relationship <laughs> and he's like actually that's not a bad idea and she's like no yeah. so that's I think um. Well, I guess there's scientific reasons for it, but for me, it all comes down to the Grecian urn. So, you know, like... um, Ode to a Grecian urn. So the, the Grecian urn, it's, it, it was actually an urn before it was a poem, and um, it's um, an urn, and it's on the urn um, there is a man chasing a woman, but it doesn't matter, it can be a woman chasing a man, it could be two men, you know, it doesn't, I mean, that's just, the urn happened to be a man chasing a woman. And he's, he's chasing her, and he's just about to reach out and touch her shoulder, and she is just about to turn around. And it's kind of like, for me, like, that moment, like, just before you're about to hook up, you know, when, like, that's the best fucking moment and um and it's and they are frozen on that urn like that like forever you know like they are rendered like in that place of just before he touches her um eternally and it's like that's kind of where I want to live and so Jamie and Lucy have been like you know um their Grecian urn happened long ago but um but now that they've broken up um the Grecian urn has sort of been, like, put... Like, for her, she's having this vision of, um, like, who... Like, that he is, you know, that she and him are the Grecian urn, and, like, that, um, you know, that he was the greatest thing. But, um, because it's just, it's a lot easier, I think, to um, have a fantasy and to, again, like, make someone sort of idealize someone as the solution or, like, the thing that is going to fill that existential hole when you are, like, not with them. Um, I think when you are, like, with someone up close, like, like another human being, like, it's just we can't, that, we can't, there, you know, we can't fill it with another human being, a real human being. But fantasy, like, we can try. And, um,
2: yeah. When you were, okay, let's go back, um, Because you did a bold move when you kind of, you know, you're always doing your poetry, and then you started So Sad Today, and then you did the essay collection. What made you want to do a novel? I mean, I just, like... Was it, like, just a challenge, or... No,
1: it just, like, happened. Because I was... Okay, okay, so after I finished So Sad Today, I was, like, writing poems again, and I felt like I was writing the same poems that I had been writing before, and then when I, like, kind of encountered the mermaid as as sort of, like, a dark figure, I was like, what if I did? Mm -hmm. You know, it was very just, like tiptoe, I was like, well, I'm just going to try this. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. It was never something I thought I was gonna do. I mean, like, especially not as a poet. You know, as a poet, like, prose writer, writers, it's like, you know, like, the dark side. It's like, they have agents, and they're like, you know, they have, like, money, and they, like, get ass. And, like, for me, it's like, you know, like, a poet, like, there's no other reason to be a poet, like, in the 21st century, except for, like, you like poetry, you know? So, so as a poet, I was always like, well, fuck these fiction writers, you know?
2: You always talk about that, though, like, you thought you are gonna lose your poet cachet by coming out with the Twitter and everything. Why?
1: Why? Um, I don't know. I just always assume I'm never going to be enough. So anything I do, I assume that like it will be bad. <laughs> Tomorrow I'm going to Philly, and my mom will be there, and that is the source of probably <laughs> that reason. I'm not reading that excerpt I just read. Yeah. Yeah, um, and I think also um, when I moved to Los Angeles, I was really nervous too because um, I was very like. Like enmeshed in the New York poetry scene, man, and like, um, and so when I moved out here um, and I moved to Venice, I was like, I don't know, I just had this vision that I was going to be like selling my poems for a dollar on Venice boardwalk, wearing like shell earrings um, <laughs> with a typewriter. Really, no, hundred um, percent, because like the number one export in Venice is like the Jim Morrison murals. So I was like, oh, it's going to rub off, yeah. like you know, the art, like that is going to be me soon. So. Um, yeah, <sighs> you're insane do you want to ask me like one more <laughs> and then we
2: can open it can uh, we... no let's open it okay. you guys ask questions if you have any don't be scared she's an open book can't you tell
1: I am yes okay I'm a Virgo <laughs> Scorpio moon Sagittarius rising <laughs> Scorpio is a very difficult moon It's not easy. (laughs) Yeah? Uh, I don't, but I'm actually right now um, writing the movie of So Sad Today, or not So Sad Today, sorry. Um, the Pisces. Um, so sad today, had, there was a project, but it's dead now. Um, but um, so, uh, the movie, and it feels like writing fanfic, because I'm like revisiting these characters, but from a different... And, I, and I'm staying very true to the story, and I'm staying... Not that you guys care that I'd stay true to it, because you haven't read it yet, but I'm staying true, if you like it, I'm staying true to the story, I'm staying true to the themes, but it's like I have to look at it from a different angle, you know? Um, Uh, like a visual angle and like so much of my life is like inside my head and a lot of this book is very internal so it's very challenging and interesting to try to render it more like external Um, because I don't really like like live in the world kind of like I do but it's also like I'm always up here you know (laughs) Mm -hmm. so um So, and that's always a challenge for me, too, is like, you know, like, narrative arc, and like, oh, like, things have to happen in a book. I'm like, why, but like a poem, you can just, like, you kind of, like, teach people to live in, in the world, and and then you can do whatever you want with that world you know but like a poem I was was joking the other day because someone was saying well how is different writing about sex in fiction than poetry and I was like you know like Chekhov's gun I was like it's Chekhov's undies like in poetry like you don't have to keep track of the undies but like in in prose it's like if the undies are there the undies must come off you know Mm -hmm. and so there's like more sort of ligaments to keep track of (laughs) thanks um, so I have a lot of tricks to dismantle the intense perfectionism I have and um, because it's kind of the thing somebody somebody was asking me the other day like um, what are your tips for writers and I was like well like a writer writes like a cow makes milk right like you just like you have to and I have to write um, so So, but that being said, like I have a lot of tricks to kind of like thwart my critics. So one was always writing in places where I'm not supposed to be writing. Like New York, always wrote poems on the subway. Moved here, um, couldn't text and drive. Well, I do sometimes, but like wasn't supposed to be texting and driving. So dictated in the car, you know. And because I can talk a lot faster than I can um, type, and so it's like when I'm when I'm thinking, um, I can kind of let the words like. Like I can almost get them down as quickly as I'm thinking, and there's not that time in between to like double back and be like, "This is bad," you know what I'm saying? Like for me, the first draft, especially now that I've written two books of prose, and because um, I was always like, as a poet, I was always like, "Like why? Like why would you say in two hundred words what you could, or two hundred pages what you could say in two pages? Like what? Why do that? You know?" But so like generating that much like. Bulk was like really kind of scary for me. I was like, how do you do that? You know, because in poetry it's about pairing it everything away, like obsessive pairing, you know, which I love. Um, (laughs) And so, because you just like tweak and tweak and tweak. And, um, but so, in, so, I, the dictating was sort of like um, a way to dismantle that perfectionist, and I did not allow myself to touch. Like I'd do my three paragraphs, um, and I, I had to do them. Like it was like you will do them through, through three paragraphs a day every day. And then I wouldn't um, I wouldn't edit it even if like the names were wrong, half the sentences were wrong. I didn't even look back. I just went. And so my I'm now writing two more novels this way using this this method that I've like kind of made for myself, and. The first round of edits is literally me trying to like translate like what Siri said. Like half of it like I have no idea what's going on. But it's still in a way like faster than sitting down cuz then I have this like I like sculpting. I don't like making the clay. So it's like the clay part, it's just, I'm like, let's vomit the clay and then we get to sculpt, you know? So I think like if you can kind of get your clay out as like fast and painlessly as you can and then take the time to like take your own sort of temperature on stuff and, because also we need distance from it anyway,
2: you know? It's a really smart technique. And I know as someone who, when I'm writing, like, I'm constantly self-editing. And I think it's, like, it's very smart. Though, isn't it a pain in the ass when you're going back and, like, every sentence is fucked up? Yes. I have, like, these Wait, eight you, I would be so frustrated. Yeah, I have, like, eight pages left
1: of this one thing I'm working on. And I've, I haven't touched them in, like, three weeks. Because I'm like, I just can't, like... <laughs> th- and I've gotten through, like... 200 or something like 200 something pages but I'm like I just can't change And like this there's a character called Miriam it's always it's changing it to Marion Marianne, Marianne. Mm-hmm. What, the other day it was like it translated something to that's so Raven like I have no idea how but I was like cool that's a happy
2: mistake yeah
1: yeah and sometimes I really don't even know at all what I was trying to say and then I just like make something up you know which yeah. is cool too Yeah, I don't get like super Ulipo or like Jackson McClough like I don't get very like experimental you know like <laughs> where it's like you know like I'll just go with whatever Siri has like no, no. like I, I mean I, like I could like if I was teaching a poetry workshop I'd be like alright let's do that you know <laughs> but um, I don't really do that but yeah there was like one more hand up Definitely, it does happen, but it's like usually pretty close to what I was saying.
2: Um, have you ever been caught talking to yourself, dictating? Like, do you do it when you're jogging or just in the car? Yeah, so I, I run and dictate.
1: Um, I walk and dictate. Um, I remember there was like this one night when I was like, I'm a really committed writer because I was in San Francisco. I was going, my sister was living there and I was going to get takeout and it was like pouring rain and I, I'm like, well, I'm not going to dictate in front of her and I'm like, you have, like, I'm, I'm like very obsessive and mm-hmm. so I'm like, you have to do it. Like, you know, you have to do your three paragraphs today and so mm-hmm. I'm like in the rain, like, like walking around on Polk Street just like dictating and like the, you know, the pouring rain and I was like, oh, like, I mean, you're like, it, you're crazy and you're, you know, you're like uh, being an artist. Definitely comes from like maybe some negative self-talk of like not, you know, that you won't be enough if you like don't complete this. But like you're also kind of dedicated to being a writer. Like, good for
2: you. That is, you should be proud of that. Yes.
1: Yeah. Um, but yeah, and I don't think I ever real, I don't think I ever got caught because I'm not paying attention. Like, I get so lost in it, you know. Yeah. But it is funny, like to be like out for a run and be like vagina, you know. Or, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure people got some nice
2: little snippets. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. made them most naughty. people are thinking about themselves. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> and they're on their phones anyways, talking or texting. Yeah. Totally. Fuck to the world.
1: Yeah. They're dictating their own story.
2: <laughs> Do you want any more questions for her? No. Yeah. What is voice memo?
1: <laughs>
2: it's for like I'll use it when I'm recording talking to someone or oh. playing a song or whatever. Because Make Siri
1: translates notes. it into text. Oh. So it skips a step. Yeah. And I use Simple Note, the Simple Note app, it's free. Love it, just a blank page. Anyone else? Well thank you guys so much for coming.